Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about the power of personal health. We all know that our physical health is important for maintaining weight and warding off illnesses, but the truth is, is that it runs much deeper than that. Colin Laughlin, the founder of Quality Life Fitness, is joining us to provide deeper insights and to support us with simple practices and powerful truths. Thank you for being with us, Colin. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, please feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much for having me on the on the podcast. This is awesome. I love the the whole idea of this. So to introduce myself at least a little bit, I've been a personal trainer, fitness specialist since 2015, and then working primarily with people with chronic health conditions since 2016. So I made that that kind of transition or that niche down pretty quickly. My background is in physical therapy as a physical therapy aide. I'm not a physical therapist, but I have similar tendencies when I do my training. And I've loved working in the space ever since I decided to make the jump to just training chronic health conditions and found myself working with that population pretty frequently and getting along with them really well. So I figured why not steer into it, bounced around a couple of places in the the hopes of opening my own private personal training studio didn't work out, which was ultimately a really good thing because once COVID hit, I was had the infrastructure ready to go to run an online training business. And that's kind of where we're at today. I think it's so great that people have access to those resources from their own home. I got furloughed from where I was working. I was a manager, got furloughed like most people did and was told I couldn't talk to my clients. And like it was like it was a liability issue or something like that. I don't feel good doing that. I want to continue to help people that I like working with. And, you know, if I can support myself while I do that, great. And it kind of grew into this business that I just couldn't walk away from. So when it came time to go back to where I was working, it just wasn't worth it. I was helping people. I was meeting new people. And I was able to work with people in all different parts of the country now. And you get to know people so much better. So like people have met my dog, I've met their family, we see like each other's houses. It's really a unique kind of setup and style and I like it a lot. And I think it's helped a ton of people. I think that's really great. That's one of the things that I've noticed is working with physical fitness support, you know, experts, people in that field, when they work under an umbrella, under an organizational umbrella, there are restrictions about being able to work with your clients outside of that gym or outside of the structure that they have in place. And it can be so incredibly limiting and stifling to your growth when you want to keep moving forward with a certain professional, but you're, you're limited by that structure. So I like that you're able to move out of that environment and then create your own environment where you're able to bring those expertise to people and speak with them and work with them freely. I just think that that's such a great way of helping people on their journey to not be limited. Usually in most jobs that I've had, I haven't been like stifled in what I can do and, and how I can do things. I've had the, the freedom and the luxury to do that, but personal training is not cheap. And so that's a real limiting factor for a lot of people. 
taking it online helps reduce so much of the cost and taking it as my own business also reduces the cost because I think people don't realize when a personal trainer's rate is what it is, the the personal trainer doesn't get paid that full amount. Like it goes to whoever is running the business or whatever. So moving online has helped me work with a lot of people and it's helped me financially, but it also lets people that maybe not, maybe couldn't afford a personal trainer in the past have way more access to one. And I, I love that. I don't think financials should limit somebody from getting the health and wellness advice that they deserve. So speaking of physical health, it was openly acknowledged while I was growing up through the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s. It was commonplace to talk about health from that physical standpoint. And it was it was pretty much, it kind of felt like, especially as a consumer, someone kind of on the receiving end of information, that it was through a narrow lens with a surface perspective. Now it's becoming more normalized to talk about all of the areas of health, mental, emotional, spiritual, as well as physical, which is great because they're deeply integrated. Having said that though, physiological well-being is hugely foundational to our overall health. And I've experienced challenges of my own and I've seen how poor health has played a devastating role in the lives of people I care about. This conversation is really important to me and I'm very grateful that you're with us today. When we're speaking of physical health, what exactly are we referring to? Can you give some insight as to what the psychology of physical health is and how it aligns with your philosophy as a health professional? Physical health, and and for the purposes kind of moving forward of the conversation, I'm going to refer to exercise in the context of strength training. So there, there is also cardio training. But when you're working with a fitness professional like myself, if the focus is cardio, it ends up being kind of a waste of my time and your money, right? For me to tell somebody to run on a treadmill for 20 minutes is, I mean, I can just tell you to do that and you do it on your own. Strength training is really where you get a lot of bang for your buck. That's where you need the most help. What physical health is, I think the best way to kind of sum it up is take a look at where you're at now and where you want to be. And the gap between those two points, how you get there is what physical health is. Whatever vehicle you take to get to that point, that's your journey towards physical health. And it can be different for everybody. So my idea of physical health for myself is different than yours, is different than the listener. I think that's really key for everybody to take away is like, you need to not compare yourself to other people when you're doing this because your journey is your own, no matter what. You need to make sure that you're doing this for yourself and you're not doing it for somebody else. My philosophy around exercise is you don't go to the gym to get better at going to the gym, right? You're always training to do something outside of the gym. So it should be very functional. It should be very life-oriented. That's that's how I try and approach fitness. And that's how I think a lot of people should try and approach fitness unless there's certain circumstances that don't let you do that. In terms of psychology around fitness, I think as people start to improve and see the ball rolling, you get a huge confidence boost You have no idea how good it feels to be strong until you are strong and have that like aha moment, which comes out of nowhere, right? Like nobody, usually you don't find it in the gym. So for example, like I was training a, she was 65 years old. One of the small issues of doing private personal training is you don't have a comparison point for people. So you're always comparing yourself to yourself and I'm always making it harder because you're improving, but you don't realize that. So 
there was a point where she was she had come a very long way with me. She was helping her family move something. She had to pick up one end of the table and just did it herself. And her family just looks at her. They turn and look at her like, what are you doing? She's like, this is easy. That was like her aha moment. Like, oh my God, like I am strong. So that that comes at various points in people's lives and, and in their journey on fitness. The psychology around that is really big and it, the mental impact of fitness is huge. It, it can't be understated. I feel the same way. I think it impacts you as a whole person. So, which actually segues really well into this next question. I felt like it was important to talk to you about. We mentioned earlier that physical health is deeply integrated with our other areas of overall health. And I want to know if you can expand on that. How does physical health impact our mental and emotional health, for example? Yeah, so one of the best ways to look at this or to kind of break it down is to think about depression, right? Because depression is is widespread during COVID. It's probably gotten significantly worse for a lot of people. When you're looking at health and wellness and fitness to improve that, which it's there's been a lot of studies that shown that that can happen, you need to start to look at what part do I need help in? So if it ends up being social health, group fitness could be a great option. If it's you know, you just want to be outside, finding some outdoor recreational activity like a, a basketball game, tennis, walking in a group, something like that. If it's truly trying to decrease pain, if pain is causing the issue, then maybe a personal trainer to help you lose weight, take weight off your joints. It's going to be different depending on your needs. And you need to kind of be introspective and figure out what do I want to get out of fitness? Where do I need the most help? And that's where you can start to make your choices and and really kind of play around and test the waters. It's a trial and error thing, as most things are, uh, unfortunately, but you're going to have to do some testing on your own. It takes a little time, but once you find what works for you, it's a very powerful thing and it's crucial to an overall healthy body. Physical movement and kind of expressing energy, getting energy out has really helped me in different situations in my life that were really stressful and being able to have that physical movement and just get the energy out of my body helped me to feel not just better and generally, you know, in the moment you feel better. Um, You feel like there's just this release of tension. But then also over time, it just builds confidence. I wasn't a runner, but I felt like I needed to run. And so being able to just kind of get out and just create some movement helped a lot in the moment. And then as I kept doing it, then it built the ability to run. And then I started hiking and started doing some 5Ks and just it really changed my perception of myself. And so I think that that physical movement and you know the strength and then I started doing strength training just as a way of keeping up my my health. I really enjoyed the routine of strength training um, and that's replaced running for me and I continue to really enjoy it. I think that there is a just even your awareness of yourself when you're investing in your health. It's something that you can feel right away and notice and it impacts who you are and wh- and how you feel and how you interact with the world. It's a very um, freeing experience 
maybe not at first, right? Like if you really haven't done much and and you hate exercise, it's probably not going to be a freeing experience right away. But you will get to a point where that's where I do my best thinking is when I'm working out. I'll have like like 15 different ideas and I like I have a garage gym, so it's just right outside next to me and I'll be working out and my fiance will walk through the garage. I'm like, you'll never guess what I just thought of. <laughs> She's just like rolls her eyes. She's like, okay. It's one of those, you have to find the right modality for yourself. So if if you hate running, don't do it. Like it, it's just going to be this dreaded thing that you hate doing and it won't stick. You want to find something that's going to be sustainable for the rest of your life and and that you enjoy doing and brings you happiness. So as a personal trainer, I always tell the trainer, the other trainers that I work with or or manage, like you're expensive. That hour with you should be the best hour or one of the best hours of this person's day. If that's not the case, something needs to change. And so for the listeners, if you do have a personal trainer and you kind of dread going, not a good sign. I can't tell you how much I really appreciate that. Because, you know, as someone who's trying to take care of your health and you feel like you're walking into a space where that's the ne- the expert before you and you should do this and you, you know, there's just kind of this sense of demand, immediate demand that you have to perform and you have to perform not just in general, but in a very specific and correct way. That's okay, you know, for what the the situation is. You're you're lifting a weight and there's a correct way to lift the weight. And I understand that the vibe or the energy of the per, the person you're working with, that creates its own demand and its own sense of critique. So it's not only am I trying to think about how I lift this weight, I'm also maybe feeling more empowered through the experience or feeling just like you use that word dread, incredible dread, thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I signed up for? Which is why I take an incredible amount of time to develop the relationship. I understand where somebody's coming from. It's scary. There's gym intimidation. There's, that's a very real thing. Kind of to your point, what you said about like there is form is a factor. So having that critique there is good. But there's also a gray area where you might not be doing it quite right, but it's not at a point that it's going to put you in harm's way. And I'll let it slide because I don't want to overcorrect you to the point where you get frustrated. And if you find yourself getting frustrated, again, it's something that's not going to keep you motivated or keep you interested in doing it. And so you want to work with somebody that provides comfort for you, that you can trust, that is going to put you in the position to succeed, but that you also can be a friend with and enjoy just like chatting. You do have to be uh, comfortable with what you're doing and, and who you're with when you do it. So although you help people of all ages and stages create better health, which I really appreciate that you can meet people where they're at in the moment and work with them from there in a way that feels genuine and authentic and safe. For the purposes of this conversation, we're focusing on adults in mid to later stage of life. So that would be 55 plus. Having said that, what tends to be the greatest overall challenge or concern for these individuals? Yeah. And I can't speak for everybody, right? Like this is just kind of what I see overall, but there tends to be a fear factor to it, right? Usually when somebody's coming to me and they're over 55, there is some kind of chronic illness. It's because they haven't done this kind of thing in the past. And it's terrifying. And I get that. And so I try and put as much at ease as I can. So that fear is huge. And there's anxiety around it too. Like going to the gym is 
can be a stressful thing. A lot of times if you're in a big gym and you go over and talk to somebody on a treadmill, they've never been over to the weights, which is sad for me, but it's really common and I understand that. Those are two huge hurdles from a mental standpoint, but then also you're managing diseases. Usually at 55, there is some kind of disease, whether it's a joint condition like you tore your meniscus or your ACL and you have scar tissue, that could be a chronic, not illness, but something that you have to worry about or diabetes, hypertension, obesity. There's a number of factors that come into play with that. And then medications on top of that, which can alter how somebody feels exercise. It can alter their response to exercise. And so I need to be aware of those things kind of going forward too. Not that it's a challenge, but it is something that needs to be noted moving forward. And if you are somebody in that case, you're telling somebody the medications that you're on and they're not sure how to handle it, be an advocate for yourself and make sure that you find somebody that does know how to do that or you can get the answers for that person or connect them with the person. So at the end of the day, you need to be working with somebody that knows the medications, knows how they interact with exercise and can do it correctly for you. And then the last challenge is just the quality of life. I'll see people that just don't have a high quality of life and that breaks my heart. But that kind of goes into play with the fear, the anxiety, the depression. And my whole job is to improve that quality of life. I know people that are caregivers as a profession. One of the things that's really, they've enjoyed getting to know people and work with them and be there. I shouldn't even say work with. Getting to know people and being close to them to help them in their daily life. And that's a meaningful experience. But there's a little heartbreak that comes with it too because the person's health is deteriorated to the point where they're not able to do some things for themselves. So being able to take care of our health in a way that we want, you know, that that brings us joy or brings us meaning, you know, it, it feels like a, a beautiful part of our life experience to care for ourselves. Um, and to invest in our physical health. It's something that really can pay off in the long run and really allow you the freedom to enjoy your life in the way that you would want. Even if that's a, the simple day-to-day, just being able to have the freedom to do your simple day-to-day or doing more than that, you know, some traveling or whatnot, what brings joy to your heart. Being able to do that for yourself is just so incredibly key to the overall sense of well-being, your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. Yeah, you're 100% spot on. And sometimes even the goal is like to pick up your grandkids. It's stuff like that. And like you said, it is. it can be sad to see people in that state where they're struggling and their quality of life is low. But then on the flip side of that, when they get a win or when they feel excited about something like, I get genuinely probably more excited than I, than they do, but it's a huge victory. And it's that's what makes everything so fun for me because those those wins, say it's a 20-year-old and they're able to hit like a, a personal record on doing an exercise, that's exciting. But this other person that's over 55 and hasn't been able to do something since they were 30, that's a victory. That's a huge win. And that is far more life-changing and exciting for me than the 20-year-old that hits a a personal record on their bench press. Yeah, because it's going to have an impact in their overall life. It's a sign of a major milestone. So when people decide to invest in their health, what can that look like practically speaking 
And what are some of the benefits that people can expect immediately and long term? First of all, I'm glad that you called it investing in health. It's not a purchase. I think that's that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. But this is an investment where the dividends pay off down the road for sure. And in terms of treatment or prevention of exercise or of disease through exercise, keeps you out of the hospital, keeps your medical bills low, keeps your doctor's visits at a minimum, stuff like that. But when you invest in something, the immediate impacts of it, physically speaking, aren't very many. This is one that takes time. You have to build on top of previous victories. But at the onset, excitement. Like if you should, you should be excited about what you just committed to doing or what you just invested in doing. And if you don't feel that way, you need to reevaluate. Like you should be excited about what the future holds in store for you and what you're going to do. And you should be jazzed. You should be like ready to go, ready to do this. Long-term impacts though, like I said, this is going to be a a journey for you that's going to really hopefully stick with you for the rest of your life. So my goal as a personal trainer is never to keep anybody forever. Like I want to teach you the skills that you need to take this and run with it and make it your own thing. Ultimately, do I end up working with people for years? Yes. And I love that. We really get to know each other on a really deep level. But long term, you're doing this for yourself. You're doing it for your health. You're doing it for your family. Whether it's your kids and making sure that you can be around for big milestones in their lives or grandkids. The financials of exercise are one thing and it helps you reduce the financials of other health implications. And so that's a huge piece of this puzzle. And is it, such a, it is a much deeper impersonal conversation because what other financial restraints you have going on in your life, especially now and this year, you know, losing your job and is a complicated conversation. But just to be kind of surface about it in this moment, in this conversation, I've noticed as I get older that it's where am I putting my time and where am I putting my money? And is that an investment that's in my life in a meaningful, enriching way? Or is that something that's fleeting? That I can be really cognizant about what I'm what I'm doing to care for myself or or to just kind of, you know, something superficial. I think being aware that there's that choice can be really powerful, you know, that there's the choice to, to spend the time and the investment in something like this that gives you that greater freedom and the ability in so many ways that you can't even imagine. You don't even know when you're getting started how this is going to impact you. But like you said, lifting that table and realizing, wow, there's things I can do in my day-to-day that I couldn't do before and how uplifting that is. It's priceless, really. It is. And one thing before we kind of move off of this topic, before I forget it, I will almost always steer my clients away from having aesthetics as a goal. Like if I hear I want to have a six pack, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's kind of break this down because you see yourself every day. So first of all, you're never going to notice the changes that happen because they're so small and so gradual. And it's a very frustrating thing. If you're trying to lose weight, even that's a very up and down kind of journey. And not that that's a bad thing. It can absolutely be a goal, but let's take a performance goal. So, say you want to be able to do 10 push ups. Right now, you can do four. Next week, you can do five. Like you see the path. It's very clear. It's a very mentally focused journey. 
and the side effect of you end up getting to the 10 pushups, you've probably lost some weight. You got stronger. You probably have a little more definition in your arms. That's just an easier mental process than the, I want to have better toned arms. Having that kind of a goal helps keep it going longer and you don't get that frustration drop off on people. I really appreciate you saying that. Respecting where you're at and then respecting the journey, the time that it takes to be on the journey, not judging yourself along the way, but just breathing into it, allowing it to be this kind of a a positive experience, moving into it and letting it be gradual rather than that demand that sometimes comes to mind right away when we think something like this. This is going to be demanding. This is going to be hard and maybe I can't do it and all of the stress that comes with it. So what you're talking about and reminding us is life is gradual. A lot of times when we're talking about our health and getting on a, on a different track, it's gradual. It's, it's day-to-day. And that just right away kind of lifts the stress. Like I don't want somebody to stop trying to get to a goal because after one week they haven't achieved it. And so proper expectations are a big part of it too. And that's where a fitness professional can provide a little more context on what can you expect, what's realistic, what's not. And it's different for everybody. But for one, just for somebody to take away, say weight loss is the goal. Losing one to two pounds a week is extremely impressive. Right. And people will will be like, oh, I only lost one pound this week. Like, no, that's awesome. That's a step in the right direction. That's huge. And so when you're going for this, know that it's a process. Like you said, this is a journey and you're not going to get the results immediately. And so understanding that there is a time commitment to this helps make sure that it's stick and that you will end up getting to that goal. It's just going to take some time. So it almost sounds like some of the immediate things are maybe a sense of confidence if you're working with someone you enjoy working with and they're working with you in that gradual way. You can actually complete what the, I don't like the word task, but what the goal is in front of you. If it's to lift five pounds, five times, you know, or whatnot, and you're doing it in this incremental way that you can build that confidence right away because you're starting off with some relatable and appropriate goals for you or steps for you where you're at in your journey. Some of those, that's some of that kind of immediate sense of accomplishment um, and sense of overall health that you get when you're getting that blood circulating and moving. But in terms of the longer term benefits, that comes over time. What does this look like, practically speaking, if someone is engaging with you for your online services? What does that look like for them and in they're investing in their physical health? Kind of like you said, it's the the hard part, and I like I find this challenging in my own podcast. But talking about health on a podcast is hard because the answer is always it depends, and everybody's journey is so different that you're never going to be able to take away really concrete, direct. Like I'm going to do this, but I will walk you through kind of what a typical interaction looks like with my clients online, especially from the very first meeting. We will take the first conversation as a phone call or a Zoom call, and we really discuss what are the goals, what are the limitations, ultimately, what do you want to get out of this, and really kind of try and break it down and figure out where are we trying to get. Because if I don't have your goals, 
it's not personal training. It's just training. And I'm putting my own goals on yours, which is not, I'll do that sometimes. Like if, if somebody's like, my goal is to lose weight, I'm great. I'm like, great. Your posture's not great. We're going to work on that too. That's my goal for you. But if I don't know what your goals are, it's just meaningless training. We'll really boil that down. And then I always, especially with the type of people that I work with, I'll see a lot of deconditioning, whether it's a sedentary lifestyle and you haven't moved in a really long time, or you have fibromyalgia or MS or Parkinson's, something like that, where I always explain that before we get into it, you should leave the workout feeling like you could have done more. I don't want you to be so sore that you can't walk the next five days or that like you can't sit down on the toilet because then you'll really hate me and we're off on a really bad foot. But at the same time, if you don't get a really good workout that first time, you're kind of like, well, what am I paying for? So having that expectation ahead of time of like, look, this is a feeling out process for both of us. I need to see where you're at, how you move, what's strong, what's weak, what are the imbalances? And then from that first one, it gets way more personal after that. But setting that proper tone of like, look, you're probably not going to feel all that challenged this first session, but moving forward, it's designed specifically for you based on the things I saw and where we want to go. One of the things that I like to do with people is after we've worked together for a while, I'll go back to that first workout and we'll we'll talk through it and talk through this is the weights we did. This is how it looked. This is how it felt. And it ends up being probably 10 times easier to redo that workout than it was the first time. I really appreciate that, especially because then when you're getting to know the person and then you see what it is that they're needing. So if they're looking for better sleep or they're looking to reduce stress or you know, to regain some energy or mental clarity. And then when you have that conversation with people and you can see where they're at and what it is that they need and maybe what some of their challenges are, and then you start working together, then over, through the process of what you're doing, then this the stress does become lower. The sleep does become more consistent. And it's a learning and growing process together. It's great because then it helps it, someone like myself feel like I'm not alone in this. And this isn't just a transactional experience where you know, you're going to give me a to-do list. I may or may not be able to achieve it. And then we part ways and I feel pretty bad. You go about your day. You know, this is something that we're coming together to work through and enjoy, feel supported and feel appreciated and through the process. And I think that also would help someone like myself then to feel good about myself as I'm going through the journey too and not head down that kind of uh, easy path of criticizing ourselves. And trust is a big piece of this too. Like if you don't trust me, I could be the best trainer in the world, but we could only go so far. I could be, you know, an average trainer. And if you trust me, we could go a lot further, which is huge. So I spend a lot of time trying to develop trust with people and trying to get them to know them on a much more personal level to the point where I typically will go to their graduations. Some people were invited to my wedding. What holds us back from taking steps towards better health? I just, I want to take a moment just because of my personal experience and, you know, the way I saw and viewed health and the way it was talked about that physical health all, grow, all through growing up. And it just kind of had this superficial tone to it. Um, and now here we are and we're wanting to reach out to people and help them take steps. And they may have that that thought process or that perspective of physical health, that it's something healthy people do. 
it's too difficult and it's too overwhelming. And I'm not sure I could do that for myself. So I wanted to just see if we could take a moment to speak to that person that's in the back of the room that wants that change, desperately needs that change, and yet feels overwhelmed by the idea of taking a first step. What would you say to that person? You're not alone, first of all, because a lot of people feel this way. And like I said, I see a lot of people that have never touched weights because it just wasn't a part of their lifestyle. It wasn't something that was well known at the time. But number one is to not look at social media or what other people are doing. That is like my biggest thing is I can't stand the fitness models on on there. And like you try and compare yourself to that. It's ridiculous. It's not fair. I can't even compare myself to that. First of all, you need to throw all of that out the window. Most people don't care about how you look doing something or what you're doing more than themselves. People are way more focused on themselves than they are on you. At the end of the day, you need to find a place that you're comfortable in. That might just be calling places and just listening to how they talk. And that can give you a pretty good idea of where things are at for that place. And if it's a fear factor, if it's an unknown or not being knowledgeable in working out or doing any kind of fitness, that's where you can kind of look around and see, is there somebody out here that I can connect with and that can help me move forward? And be aware, it is a very salesy industry, right? It's, I mean, it, it has to be because that's how we make a living. But you want to try and find some people that are truly genuine and want to help you. And they are out there. It's not impossible to find those people, but you do have to do some legwork. You know, if you're unsure, if you know, you don't know where to go next, podcasts like this are a huge resource. And so like reach out to me if you're unsure. And I can, even if we don't work together, I can point you in the right direction of somebody that I might trust or that I would think would do a good job. And just use your network to try and find places that that really suit your needs. And reviews are are huge help with anything that you do, any kind of purchase you make. Look at reviews. That always helps too. Talking to Amy in some of those earlier situations where I felt really overwhelmed, you know, just anxiety. I felt like there's a lot of different things that were going on in my life. This seemed important, but I didn't really know how to interact with it. I think if I was talking to Amy at that time, I would say, view it as exploration, just like you were sharing. It's just view it as exploration, just getting some basic information and even just having someone like Colin to talk to and say, this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm concerned about or this is what's kind of holding me back. And having that genuine person on the other end that can be, okay, that, you know, that's a very valid concern. And maybe here's some things that can really help take that pressure off because you know, in that moment, sometimes the thing that's really getting in your way is your fear or your concern or the emotions or, can I do this? This is something I see people that really look like they have it together. They're the ones that do this. And who am I to think that I could or should be successful in taking care of my physical health? Like you just jump to that image of someone who's just like a perfect fitness and you forget that it's really just about caring for yourself so that your life, the life that you're engaged in, can feel good and that you can have that freedom and that ability to make choices for yourself. So I really appreciate everything that you're saying in your offer to receive those questions from people. 
is that's truly in that when you're in that moment and you're like, do I or don't I? Just to boil it down to a simple initial conversation is a whole lot less scary then, okay, I'm going to sign on the the bottom line for something. Just, I'm going to start with a conversation. And I think that changes everything. And a lot of it stems from just the unknown. So the more you can do your due diligence and understand what the situation you're going to go into looks like, that can ease a lot of the fear and a lot of the anxiety. Even for myself, when I go into like a new gym or if I'm looking at a new gym, I'm like a little like, nervous to go in because I don't know the layout. I don't know the type of people there. I don't know you know, how things are going to work. So there's always going to be that. But if you can maybe look at pictures online, if you can check out their social media accounts, which I know I said, don't look at social media, but look at the business and how it looks on the inside and how they like, what kind of videos do they post, stuff like that. That gives you a little more insight into them and it can help kind of quell some of the anxiety around doing this. I primarily work with women also, by the way. I don't know. It's just kind of worked out that way. But multiple women, we've worked together to change some nutrition habits. Nothing really big in the grand scheme of things, but ultimately it made a huge difference for all of them in their weight loss, which helped them decrease pressure on their joints. They were better at their job. They enjoyed going out and doing things with their family more. It just ultimately turned into a better quality of life. Hence the name Quality Life Fitness. That's really what it came down to for a lot of people is just making sure that it's fun to come and see me, first of all, because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to do it. And then from there, we work to make small changes that really have long-term impacts. Nothing immediate, but over time, it's huge. It's changing smaller habits versus that big, we ran a marathon. One of the first things that I cover with people is how much water they drink. Most people are like super dehydrated and don't drink water until dinner. So making sure that you're drinking plenty of water, a general rule of thumb is to take your body weight, cut it in half. That's how many ounces of water you should be having in a day. Another thing I will look at is protein. How much protein are you taking in? For a lot of people, and this is, this is dependent on where you're at and if you have certain medical conditions that don't let you take in that much protein, that's something that you need to clear with your doctor. But making sure that people up their protein intake is big because most people eat a lot of carbs. If you don't use that energy, it gets stored as fat. Protein doesn't work that way. So it fills you up, it helps your muscles recover, and it doesn't get stored as fat. Those are two of the biggest things that you can start to apply immediately to your life that will have big long-term impacts. Where can we go to explore more? Do you have resources, programs, things that we can tap into? I will say this question stumps me a little bit. It's kind of hard because everybody's at a different spot in their life. And so the resources that you need are going to be different than the resources that I need. So that being said, there is one resource that I really like. It's actually a certification that I have. It's called Precision Nutrition. And it's primarily nutrition focused, but it gives you good kind of perspective on what to expect with things or where you're at in your journey. It's very a psychological kind of information. They've got a good blog. It's precisionnutrition.com. Another place that I like to look at for stuff, and again, I said social media is bad. I know that. Looking at the smaller gyms around you and checking out their social media pages because they're not designed for mass marketing. They're designed for the community that they're in. And if you're in that community it should relatively be designed for you. 
And if you can find a gym that's specific to what's going on with you or a trainer that works specifically with what you have, going to their pages tends to be a better tool. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of those things help. Facebook groups, the groups, not just the random pages or fitness people, but you can find groups specific to what you have. So, you know, like exercise for osteoporosis group or searching something like that gives you a better community to be in that helps you and not just block content just getting sent out there. And then the last thing is just podcasts. I think, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, because I love podcasts, but I think there are some really good tools out there within a podcast. Again, taken with a grain of salt because I can only take the information so far because I don't know who you are as a person. But it at least gives you some reference points and some framework to to make changes moving forward. And people can contact you and work with you as a physical fitness trainer remotely from the safety of their own home. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a COVID-friendly business, if you will. It's qualitylifefit.com. That's where you can find more of my information personally. You can find information about the podcast that I do and you can look into online training with me if you want. Again, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to, but I do encourage getting some physical activity however you want to get it. If that ends up being working with me, great. That's awesome. And uh, I hope to hear from some people. I think that'd be really cool. What is a really great way to stay in touch? Like for myself, if I hear something that I really like or is resonating with me or, you know, if I'm a listener on a podcast and I, a message is just really kind of hit me in a certain way and I want to just kind of stay in touch. What are some ways that listeners can stay in touch with you? Are, do you have social media? And then how can they get in touch with you directly if they have questions that they want to reach out to you and explore and talk more? I do have social media accounts and I try to be relatively active on them. I don't I don't hit the mark on it all the time. But uh, if you search Quality Life Fit on Instagram, and I think it might be Quality Life Fitness on Facebook, those are usually pretty good resources. I'll, I'll try and put some stuff out there, but you can also send me messages that way. I'm also on LinkedIn. If you just search my name, that's the best way to find me on LinkedIn. And then if you want to email me directly, it's colin at qualitylifefit.com. And again, I'm happy to answer questions if you've got them and help steer you in the right direction. Is there a final thought that you'd like to share with our listeners before we part ways? This is something that I did think about a lot for the purpose of this podcast. And for so many people, I hear the, oh, well, I'm not motivated to do this or I'm waiting until I'm motivated and then I'm going to do this. And that time is just never going to come if you keep waiting. So take a small action in the direction that you want to go and it gets the ball rolling. And once that action comes, the motivation is going to follow. And it's this awesome snowball effect. So if you can take a small step forward in the direction that you want to be going, that's a huge step forward long term. Thank you for such a great conversation today, Colin, and for sharing how we can take steps towards a greater sense of freedom, well-being, and a life that we fully enjoy. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thank you so much. This was awesome and I love what you're doing. It's good stuff. Thank you. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.